No, but we're going to introduce you as a troubadour now. Yeah. Oh, are we? Yeah, we're rolling, so... Uh, welcome, welcome to the, the XYZ, XYZ Podcast! Uh, where we talk about entertainment and the creative process. Uh, my name's Eco. I'm the Y. I'm Zach, I'm the Z. And our X Factor is... I'm David Thrift. Troubadour, songwriter, entertainer, man. Boom. Whoa. All of these are true. I can attest to all of these things. I just got chills. <laughs> That's a lot of multi-hyphenates. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking more like commas, but that's that's also a thing. Yeah, that, that yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah, that works. So I know David from most tavern mostly. Um I also I mean I Dave also uh you play bass and sing for Up Walking, whose yeah. album I have right there. Oh very yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't have I don't have a record player, so I just have the album there. You you'd be you would maybe you wouldn't be surprised how many records we sell to people that don't have any way to play yeah. the vinyl. They're just oh. like this is so cool. Oh sorry. I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt. I was just about to say I have a lot of vinyls and I have no way of playing them. Well not a lot, I have like yeah. five. I mean I think that's the draw for a lot of people though, is like it's it's more than just we live in like this digital world, right? So it's something physical that they can have. It has like this meaning, this tangible meaning that they don't get through a lot of other art forms these days. And plus like when the art's blown up like that, you can appreciate that. And the, there's a painting on the front of it yeah. that we had one of our friends do, uh, Mairead, uh, Zigalich. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. But um, anyway, she's a fantastic yeah. painter. And so I think that's one reason that people like the record too. Yeah. It's great art. Yeah. It's, Wait. it also fits right there very well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It does make a statement piece for your bookcase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is... I'm going to go take a look at this. You guys keep talking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just... I, I, I feel like I gotta... I gotta... Well, that's a... Yeah, that's cool, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went... So I went to... you. It was the show at... Um, I think I want to say Martyrs? Yeah, we played at Martyrs. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It, was it was a show at Martyrs, and uh, yeah, that was actually the first time hearing... Like you all play as a band, your material. I'd like heard random songs here, or there at the jams where, where like one of us or one of y'all would, like maybe it's like two or three at a time. Yeah, and it's like more like workshopping than than just a full song. Yeah, I mean, usually when we go to the uh, Sunday night jam, it's 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 open ended, and you know, if there's three of the five of us there or something, you know, we might try to do something. But yeah. at that point, too, uh, we may not. We may be a little intoxicated at that point. Yeah. Sunday Sunday is a fun night. It's not a work night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. And it's like, we get to teach everybody else the chords, right? So it's yeah. like, you're not going to get every little thing anyways. And we're a band, too, that uh, our lead songwriters, Julian and Savannah, they, they yep. really worry about, like, the details and everything. So yeah. if you come to see us at a show, it's like, everything's very defined. Uh, not to say that anybody else is not defined or something like that. It's but just, I mean, let's say a jam band definitely isn't. Right, right. I mean, there's all these little beats and little hits and little bass lines that have to tie directly with the rhythm of another guitar line and three-part vocal harmonies. There's a lot of moving parts going on, so it's not, a lot of it's not left up to chance usually. And, you know, that's always like the constant battle too, because we were playing with one of me and Ego's friends, Goose, Mm -hmm. who's filling in on drums for us recently, and he's a fantastic drummer, and it was just causing us to play in a totally different way that was a little less defined, Yeah, which was really cool because we had written all these parts in such detail and then now that we knew them so well to go back and actually get to play with them mm-hmm. was an interesting experience yeah to mess around yeah yeah, yeah. You guys are great oh <laughs> that, thanks man yeah that's why i had podcasts you guys are great i appreciate that yeah. i mean i think chicago is full of a lot of great bands and a lot of great musicians yeah. right now i mean that's one reason that i think both of us gravitate i don't know if you've ever been to the most i have never been i'm i'm definitely 
I don't know if you guys want to explain a little bit more about this jam session for me and my listener. Yeah, for me for and the sure. listeners. Me and so, our listeners. Yeah, so I started going to this, I want to say like two years ago in the summer. Um, it was actually, I start, I, I started with blues jams, right? So, cause it's very, it like the form is pretty much set for most of the songs, like 90% or more of the songs. Yeah. So it's like, it's pretty easy to play and just jump right in. So I started on some blues jams. Kingston Mines was the first one I went to, but on after that first one, literally the first time I actually went on stage, like f- 10, 15 minutes later, I met a couple guys. It was actually just Brian. And uh, at the time, Derek was the bass player who doesn't really go to these anymore, but Brian Filippelli. And so he's like, yeah, there's a jam at Moe's. We're going to it afterwards. I was like, cool. Like, sure, yeah, I'll go. So then that's when I, that's the first time I went. Um, and that was significantly harder than blues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. So, but. Well, none I, of the forms are defined, usually. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it was actually, the, the first song I went on, I think it was, uh, it was like Eric Lease. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Al Costas and they're just they're really good musicians. <laughs> yeah, like you just named some of the best musicians I think in town. So. Yeah, yeah. So they called this chord progression. I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I I was very hard to hear like where the things were, and the and the chords that Eric was using, like it was hard to read them because I just wasn't used to the way he was fingering them, mm-hmm. and I was just I just got so lost on that first one. Oh, I mean that's like half the battle, but I think that's like. One of the reasons people come back. are drawn to that yeah. kind of thing. Like, I don't know if you do music or acting or anything. Or... I don't do music at all. I do acting. Oh, right. Okay, so yeah, I know Zach from improv. You get, yeah. Like, I'm sure that's something that I, I don't do. I think, Eco, you do improv. Yeah, that's how I know yeah. Zach. Yeah. But it's, it's pretty much the same thing in my head. You know, it's like, here's kind of a structure of how we're used to doing things and, like, a framework to work within. But other than that, there's really no rules. It's about listening to everybody and kind of playing yeah. off of each other to try to make something that's collectively decent to listen yeah. to. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it pushes you as a musician, which is funny because, you know, blues jam where something's defined and really like every blues song is like basically the same three notes. Yeah. I am way more terrified of a blues jam than I am because you go deal with like these like 60 year old guys who, uh, yeah, yeah. That's who that's like their religion, you know? Mm, so you kind of want to like, you're kind of worried about having to stick to their rules or whatever, or... Yeah, so I'm not even impressing yeah. them, you yeah. know, or whatever that means, because, you know, you just see somebody old on the scene, and you're like, okay, this person has an automatic, like, veteran status to me. Yeah. And, and just by virtue of their age or the way they play, uh, you're like, I have a lot to live. I have to prove something, mm-hmm. you know? And... Uh, I don't know why I feel that more with blues jams. Maybe I had one too many really bad experiences. Maybe, at one yeah, point. yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I, I just stopped going to those because, like, I had outgrown them essentially. Yeah, it was like playing the same couple chords. I was like, okay, I know how to do this, so it became less fun. So, like, yeah, the Mo's jam for me is about exploring possibilities, mm-hmm. which we do a lot because they're very open ended sometimes. What kind of I mean, you say it's pretty open-ended, yeah. but like, what kind of music would you say Moe's generally gravitates towards? So that particular jam is officially psychedelic rock. Okay. Uh, which I don't really think it's ever psychedelic rock. <laughs> <laughs> Effectively, what it is is whoever the musicians on stage want, like, want, whatever they want. So if there's some jazzier players, it leans more towards jazz, which is the case for some of the people like like Al, for example, and yeah. Eric, they, they lean towards jazz. If there's more rockier players or medley players, which is me, it leans more towards that, right? And just a, it just there's depends. people that want to do blues as well. I mean, it's really yeah. whoever Chicago Al is like, yeah, it's defined by whoever is confident enough 
to call some notes, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. you get up there and I feel like every single time you get up there, everybody looks at each other and they go, anybody got anything? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's anybody, true. What do you got? Yeah. What do you it's got? whoever the alpha on stage yeah. is or, or yeah. whatever. I don't even know if it's an alpha thing because <laughs> no. I think that I don't, most, I don't mean to yeah. frame it in, the, in that sure. kind of, I don't know. But that's it. That's an interesting thing to just of note, like I think about at least that environment is you really can't be an alpha or trying to be dominant through anything other than your actual skill mm-hmm. because you just won't be accepted in the community because it's it's supposed to be a type of a type of environment where like a guy who you know isn't like a top ten player right should be able to jam with a guy who's fairly new at it yeah. and they should be able to make something good and it shouldn't be about the guy who's not that good fucking it up and it shouldn't be about the guy who's amazing carrying it. It's know? it's a, it's an exercise in cooperation. Yes, yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, it's the ultimate team sport. I think. Yeah, it is you have to listen so like yeah, the 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 quality of the listening definitely de- highly determines the quality of the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I had a, a couple of the the two songs I played um, last this Sunday that just happened were like fantastic. It was actually just a trio setting for the most part. It was me, Harrison on bass on, on drums actually, which he usually he's usually on bass, and then Aiden on bass. Uh, Hannah came on and did some vocals for the first one, but the second one was just like three of us. And it just the, the listening, the dynamics, the interplay was all just like spot on. And that's what made it good. It wasn't the fact that like I shredded or anything or like, but actually one part was really cool was, um, was Harrison brought down the dynamics on the drums. So everything was super quiet. And then I was, I just started playing the same chords that I called. And then Aiden started, took a bass solo, but it was like, it was one of the few bass solos that really I felt worked really well because the dynamics were solo. You could actually listen to his notes, and he wasn't like just trying. And he played like melodies too for that. Wayne's well, a great bass player, man. Yeah. Uh, so what's the name of your band again? Uh, that band is called Elk Walking. Elk Walking. I play with Walking. a few bands, but that's I guess I would say that's my primary band. That's your primary band, yeah. and, and you play. I play the bass. You play the bass. Okay. But you we may have already covered that. I'm band. just like shitty yeah. at. Yeah, following. It's cool. <laughs> what kind of music would you say you normally play, or that band normally plays? That band's playing. Um, I'm always trying to find a way to define it, and I did it like we did like a radio spot last month. I called it psychedelic folk rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. We're, we're kind of in an era where we're kind of past defining yeah. genres. Yeah. I realize I asked the question, but yeah. yeah. It's yeah. indie music, you know. And yeah. As, as I make a big gesture with my hands, you know, but it's it's. The way I would explain it is, is it's that it's got elements of like the Mamas and the Papas or Jefferson Airplane, but it's also got Almond Brothers, and it also gets more like I'm trying to think of like Alabama Shakes or somebody that rocks even harder than that, like the Strokes, but we don't sound like the Strokes. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of if you can imagine a band that is like gonna make a crowd go as hard as they would like banging their head on something, but also have a song where they're playing like an acoustic guitar and have three part harmonies and it sounds country or something. Yeah. So it's very, there is no genre, I suppose. And it's more about, I think it's more defined by, um, crisp guitar work, very clean guitar work. And then a lot of vocal harmonies. Yeah. That that, that reflects. Yeah. And a lot of themes about like nature and love, I guess a lot of nature, uh, our main male singer, we have two singers, Savannah and Julian. Julian's from Colorado. I'm from Louisiana. 
uh, just from outside of Boston. So we all grew up in like very nature heavy areas. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that plays a lot into the music. And uh, I don't know. I really love getting to play with those guys because I found Tiny Back to the Mo's Jam. That's how I found this band. I moved here not really knowing what I was doing after college and after a failed job in New York. And uh, I went to the jam and I remember seeing this guy, Julian, playing drums. I was like, wow, man, if only I could jam with Julian one day. It'd be amazing. <laughs> now, flash forward two years later, I, I live with him. I'm in his band. I go on tour yeah. with him. And it wasn't like I really like asked him for any of that stuff. He just came up to me one day, asked me if I'd audition. I had just started a corporate job. And I remember sitting in the Popeye's parking lot during lunch on my first day playing the bass in my backseat of my car. I don't know if that's a sign about what my priorities were, but, <laughs> <laughs> but your priority should have been getting that sweet Popeye's. I did get, are you kidding? dude? Uh, I'm uh, from Louisiana. It's basically a religious pilgrimage to go there. Hell yeah. I'm required. <laughs> those biscuits. Oh, those are good biscuits. It's, it's, it's truly the best. So, so you also do, I mean, I've heard your solo work through, mm -hmm. like, going to the, the mics, right? Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, actually? Sure. I mean, my solo work, I guess, is is the stuff I perform when you've seen a singer-songwriter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's sure. really more just by default of, I don't have a band. Yeah. And uh, I write a lot of stuff that I have all the parts for, for a full mm -hmm. band, and I would like to get one together. My problem is, is I have trouble overcoming my insecurity. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I can play in a hundred other people's bands and I can just dig into it and yeah. write lines for them. But there's something weird about getting my friends together and being like, hey, okay, this is my art. Can you guys help me make this? No, I, I kind of agree. Like, I understand. Yeah. Like, for me, it's it's not at that step, but it's at the step of writing lyrics. Because yeah. I'm like, how much of, like, how fucked up I am do I reveal to other people? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like at what where I think the thing I think about a lot lately is the difference between making the music I think I should be making versus making the music that I make. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like being, what part of it is being truthful? Is it censoring yourself or is it just saying what you want to say? Yeah. You know, what's the real art there? I don't, I mean, I feel like the real art's probably going to be wherever, I don't know. This is, this is some really vague, dumb shit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, anything that you feel like you should be doing as opposed to like what you want to be doing, you should like follow the want and not the yeah. should, right? Sure. I don't know. I was, I was, I may, I, I see a therapist because like, fuck it, it's 2019. We all see therapists. We do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why, why be coy about it? Uh, and he, I was like talking about like, oh yeah, I feel like I should be doing this. And then he yelled at me for using the, the should word. That's should like become be. a bad word in, yeah. because I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like the artistic drive should be, oh shit, I said shit, I did it. I was about to say it should be to not follow anything that you feel like you should be, right? Right. I don't know. I, I'm in some weird shit right now. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I understand that as, you know, as fully as I can, you know? As, well, I mean, being, not being you, right? Yeah. But, uh. I mean, a bit of background. Ego knows me, but you don't really. Yeah, I I literally met you two seconds yeah. before we hit record, which is perfect, for our honestly. audience. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I went to you know I went to school for industrial design and I worked in the field for a few years and I've always had this passion about music, but it just didn't. 
I always just felt like I couldn't do that. Yeah. You know? It's just wrong. I come from a family of like, you know, everybody in my family is an engineer. Like all my cousins, all my uncles, everybody works. With, we have a big family company that everybody works for the whole nine yards. Right. And I still struggle with that to this day. I, I've kind of kept myself away from a corporate job now for, you know, a year and a half. And every day I talk to recruiters or something like that. I'm like, man, what am I doing? Should I, should I be going into the workforce? Should I be securing my financial future or should I be investing in my passion and hoping that that is going to secure my financial future? And is it going to destroy me to try to pursue both? I don't know. And that's fair. I also lost my therapist a year ago because of, I lost my health insurance when I quit my job. So therefore mm -hmm. I'm using this as therapy now. So, oh, I mean, that's <laughs> what podcasts are for. You're absolutely <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 so you've seen, you see, yeah. like, yeah, I, 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 I I'm splitting, I'm splitting mm -hmm. for sure. But part of that is because like, I mean, I, I see, I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm in a corporate environment so much because it's usually a small firm. Like I, I, that's how I biased into the, found my balance is like, I have a skill set that is, is in finance. But so there's on one end of the scale, it's like you can go to the big banks like Goldman Sachs or like or you know, Bank of America, et cetera, and you can work there in the towers or whatever. It's like this huge corporation, tens of thousands of people. And um, and then the amount of time can vary from like eight hours a day to like the crazy ones would be like 16 hours a day. And, I, and my um, my call, my roommate right out of college or pretty close to right out of college in New York. His, uh, his job was for, it was a medium-sized firm. It was maybe like 100 to 200 people, but their culture was just like you would work 14, 16 hours a day. But, it was insane. but why? To make money, essentially. Well, do you right? make, yeah. let me, I mean, because I don't know about this yeah. environment, do yeah. you make more money if you're there twice as long in the day? Um, part, somewhat. It's, it's a fucked up culture. It's not efficient, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this thing where um, there's a split kind of, so operationally, you, a lot of people, even though it's like supposed to be automated trading, a lot of people still watch their strategies. So like, I think the culture for a lot of the firms, especially I feel like in New York is like you watch your strategies for eight hours of the day. And then once those eight hours are done, then you actually do research to prove them. So that that's where kind of the, the, the badness of that culture is, is that split. Whereas you should probably have just pushed for better automation, you know, the whole time. So, so yeah. Yeah. I wonder a lot about that because in every job I've ever had, it's, super clear to me that time is wasted immensely. Like, yeah. and that's one of my hesitancies to go back into the workforce full time is, is that I just know that 40 hours a week doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Like sure. Money would mean something to me, but I understand that for most jobs I can get my 40 hour work week done in 15 to 20 hours a week. Yeah. 10 yeah. hours a week is mostly people going, what are you guys doing for lunch? Yeah. I mean, so that alone, it's like, trying to fight that philosophical issue, but I guess maybe for some reason I have the luxury of having that debate. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, if you have, if you've saved up enough or whatever, yeah. It's, well, no, I mean, I just work also. shitty jobs now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I literally, I like, I bartend and I, yeah, which is what you're going to yeah. after this actually. Yeah. I do sound, yeah. you know, I mean, these are not jobs that I feel like, again, I guess like I have the luxury of choosing to work in that kind of yeah. field, mm -hmm. you know, rather than a lot of people who, who don't, but, I mean, I just enjoy it better because my personal freedom is more available to me. Yeah. I have way less money, but if I don't want to go next Tuesday, I can literally just be like, I got something, guys. And that's it. Yeah. You know. So, and I don't really understand why that doesn't transition to, you know, 
workforce do you work full time or I I'm current I mean I'm a temp. Okay. Uh but I'm trying to change that into like something more. Yeah, I'm doing the forty hour week yeah. sort of thing. Uh and it is kind of just it, it gets annoying and it gets a little robotic and it really does feel like I mean I'm paid hourly in my current position, but uh, a lot of those hours are wasted, but also because I'm paid hourly, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want that shortened unless they I don't know, doubled sure. my pay. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, just looking back to today, there are definitely moments where I just was looking at the computer, wondering, oh, what well, I could be doing something constructive right now, uh, and that happens a lot. I mean, I think anybody who wants to have any sort of creative or artistic um, pursuit but also wants to survive and have money. I mean, until you're able to reach a level where your artistic pursuit is able to pay for things or you're able to find a, uh, a suitable way to have a, a source of income outside of it, you kind of have this weird split between corporate life and artistic life where you're not... Especially if you feel like you're not 100% committed to either, which right. is kind of what I feel like all the time where I'm... Yeah. Where I, where I, I feel like I'm reaching a point in my life where I should make a choice as to which fork in the road I'm going to take, but I've been sitting at this fork for a long ass time. So, um, yeah. Well, what do you think about, because a question I'm always asking myself is, is it even possible to do both at the same time and actually find success in either? And, you know, it's a very good question because <laughs> part of me, you know, I don't know, do I like fetishize maybe like this idea that uh the only way to be an artist is to like only do the art mm. not sure there's like there's a couple of things from my perspective so i have been doing it like both for like i'd say like the last two three years uh before it's like before that i kind of like just like feel like almost purely hobby is like the guitar side is like almost purely hobby but i would say for me like i again part of it is like having a, a work environment that's tolerant of just being like coming in you know pretty pretty damn late in the day yeah um but another part of it i think is like um i i, I personally have like kind of an end point whereas like uh I, i'm in a position to make enough to like to sure to not work for a while like i took six months off right and right. like did not sweat at all for that um so that's part of it but also i think it's like the part i'm missing i think for me like artistically is that i don't have deadlines <laughs> So that's the, it's a, it's a benefit and a drawback. And the benefit is that I only work on stuff I want to work on, mm -hmm. but the drawback is I don't get that like burning need to just finish something. Right. So like, I don't get the reps that I would get if I were, let's say, let's say if songwriting my only thing, I'd probably be trying to hustle through like online services or whatever, selling that service and basically getting a ton of reps that way. And just like trying to find people to write in sessions. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't get that. I don't get that urgency. I don't get that intense practice. I think that's what's missing for me in terms of like what I'm not able to do, but in ter uh, terms of like producing stuff, I think it's like, yeah, the advantage is I just work on stuff I like to work on. What was your goal to make money doing music? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't need to have that as a goal, but I, I just, yeah. Well, I just didn't know because you, you were talking yeah. about doing both. And, uh, yeah. Are, is your goal to, to make money doing acting? Uh, if I could make money writing, uh, would be great. I mean, acting would be a fun side benefit. Don't worry, it's safe here. We can literally say we only want to do those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not trying to fool anybody. That's yeah, true. Good. That's very true. So, I think my parents think that I have no hope anymore. Yeah, I think that's what 
I think that they're trying to push me to give up at this point. On that that acting. sounds really sad the way I say it, but that's not how I mean it. Uh, not well, acting's not really my end goal or anything. Like I want to, I'd rather be a writer, writer or art. do they comedy. Want you to give up no, they don't want me to give up, but they're definitely being like, "Oh, you should really find something stable now," which is true. That's very true. I'm 26. I'm 26. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, right? <laughs> fuck yeah. that. Yeah, Dude. fuck that. My brothers are older, and I don't think they have anything too you have, stable. You have, I mean, the way that I, I like to think about it, and I could just be fooling myself, you know, cognitive dissonance or whatever, uh-huh. but I'm 26 years old. Barring a crazy accident or something, I have so much time to be so many other types of people, you know? Oh, well, yeah. I think about, like, there's tons of famous artists. Charles Bradley became a famous soul singer in his 60s. Okay, Susan Boyle, in her 50s, right? Uh, Bon Iver, in his late 30s. You know, um, my dad my dad lived in a school bus on the beach in Key West when he was my age. But by the time I was born, he was a successful engineer. Okay, so there is, we, I don't know. We're, I feel, I constantly feel like the whole world's trying to tell me my time is almost up at yeah. 26. All right. I mean, it's definitely, I would say fuck that too. Yeah, I, I definitely say fuck that. I mean, I'm 32, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I don't really think that really means anything different yet, other than by maybe your finances should be a little more in order by the time you're <laughs> 32. I hope I have six more years. I, I've got that part down better, but uh, I hope I have savings when I'm in my 30s. That'll be nice. Start like real, real savings. Yeah. You know, you gotta start now, man. <laughs> yeah. In terms of the other stuff, it's just like I mean, okay, you won't be like. You won't be the next teen heartthrob, right? Or for if it, for the actor. But that was yeah. my dream. Yeah, for example, right? But it's just like, like what? Where? Where else does it really matter? Who wants to be a teen heartthrob other than a teenager, dude? Right. Like, yeah. I don't want to be appeal to teenagers. I, like, at least in 2019, I don't want to be within 300 yards of teenagers. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I want I want people my own age to appreciate me. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think about those people that you can who are famous mm-hmm. who you can only think of as older. Yeah. Like like an Alan Alan Rickman, where the yeah. oldest I can think the youngest I can think of him is like Die Hard. Yeah. Or, Patrick Stewart. Morgan yeah. Freeman in his forties yeah. was his first acting gig, I believe. Damn. Yeah, so I mean, it's just I don't I, know. Man. I know Tig Notaro started comedy at twenty six. Yeah. So Do you know Joey Diaz? Uh is it Coco? Yeah. Yes. Joey Coco. I've yes. heard of him. I he don't started really like at like 28 or 31. Chris Gilligan was up in that range too. I mean, there is no, there is no path in art. Yeah. In, at least yeah. in my view. There's no, because if there was a path, everybody would be doing it. Because well, most people would rather be an artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the whole thing with should is we kind of tell ourselves, oh, I should be this at this age. Oh, right. Yeah. That's- um, like, like if I'm going to be successful at this, I should have already done this. Or, I don't know. I feel like that extends into that a little bit, right? Yeah. Maybe I'm just extending my own metaphor into everything. Well, uh, I mean, don't we always? But, <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it's 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 uh, different now, too, because our generation, we're just living quite a bit longer. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. When I was a little kid, I remember thinking like people who were in their sixties were ancient. And now my mom's in her sixties, and I feel like she resembles people in their forties when I was a kid, right? Right. Yeah. And so, just that alone, it's like you don't need to have kids by then or have this job by then because there's plenty of time. I mean, even people my age who have kids, my parents didn't have me until they were in their mid thirties. Yeah. You know. So, 
I don't know. I think the really the only the only way to do something is the way that you feel like you should be doing it, as long as it doesn't you know isn't a bad way to be, whatever that means. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Not hurting anybody or whatever. Yeah. And a lot of the like the should I understand where the should coming, but like like there are things that the shoulds could come from social pressure, which are mostly the bad ones. Yeah. Right? There, then, there are good and, and, shoulds, and there's internal ones, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but sometimes there's they're weirdly intertwined. And yeah, it's hard to it is hard to separate out the strands for that. Yeah, yeah. And some of them are like arbitrary, right? It's like you should have this job by this age. Why? Or you should have be married by this age. Why? And I think you're right. It's a lot of society, you know, because when I was just walking, I don't live in this neighborhood. Yeah. And for your listeners, you live in probably like one of the nicest neighborhoods in town. Yeah. But at least there's a lot of affluence here, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I saw a food truck that only had dog treats. Yeah. I've I never seen that. some shit like that <laughs> ever in my life. Yeah. You know? That, that's some fucking gentrified shit. That's, right? yeah, that's <laughs> some <laughs> people got money in this neighborhood yeah. stuff, which I don't begrudge at all. But like when I was walking through the neighborhood, I just saw all those gears turn in my head like, oh, man, if I got a job, I could be going to this CrossFit gym. Oh, I could live in one of these buildings. Oh, look how nice this little park is. You know, all this thing. But I have a, also where I live, and I pay a lot less. Yeah. It's a great neighborhood. I have an entire house. And the funny you know? thing is, is like, I'm thinking, okay, I'm like, sometimes I calculate in my head or I just think about it in my head. Okay, if I made this much money, I could move out to somewhere that's cheap and live for this many years. Yeah. So I'm actually somewhat thinking the opposite. Man, you could buy, yeah. like, there, there's houses in, like, my neighborhood that are so... Like half a million dollars and less right now, which in Chicago is crazy to me. And I don't really get a lot of people moving downtown yeah. personally because Chicago is so neighborhood heavy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so many great neighborhoods. I don't know why. But then again, different people are different. You know? Yeah. I mean, my priority for why I'm here is work, really, because yeah. it's like it's like a five, ten minute walk. And I mean, like time is more valuable to me at this point. You know, can you make art in here? Does it are you are you able to be noisy? I'm not like super noisy, so that's why I have the electronic kit, right? Yeah. And like I can occasionally turn on the. I mean, like during the day, if like if I take a Saturday, I'll turn on the amp if I want feedback, um, and then the mic I can sing into. I, I I've had like a couple hour sessions where I just like scream at the mic, you know. So that's that's available. I, yeah, I don't have like the full, like, mm. you know, the drum kit and everything. That would be impractical for sure. Um, but I mean, like I do well. I, I'm totally fine with sample drums you know i have good samples they sound good <laughs> oh for sure yeah. i mean i just wonder because yeah. i moved into a house full of musicians for the purpose of being able to make be noisy but i found that living in a house full of musicians i don't want to be as noisy yeah you know, it's <laughs> like i don't know if i'm I, I, if you guys get what i mean there but it's like i don't know there's always somebody playing drums or guitar and yeah. you just feel everybody around you making noise all the time and it's like I feel feel more self conscious in that environment. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe because I'm surrounded by a bunch of people I think are great musicians, but because you know you can hear what they're doing, right. so you know they're going to be able to hear what you're yeah, doing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, practicing like part of that is fucking up, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a weird thing. Like, I, I've seen, I don't know, it's it, it, for like singing is one of the things you can't practice quiet, right? So, singing, it's always singing. So it's like. You know, a lot of people say, you know, people get in their minds that they're bad singers because in the initial phases of practice, somebody tells them that. But it's like you've been doing this for like two hours, right? Or four hours, five days, ten days. 
and you're not supposed to be good. And maybe actually, maybe when you are good, let's say you're going to have to have melody and whatever, let's say you need to expand your range for whatever reason, that's your goal. But that's like at the edge of your capabilities. That's yeah. going to sound bad. It's going to sound really bad. Yeah. It's going to sound really bad. I, I, uh, I have a friend. We have a mutual friend actually. Uh, I won't say his name on the podcast, okay. but uh, it comes to jams and stuff. Okay. But anyway, I remember he was, do you know who I'm referencing when I do this? Anyway, I'm not gonna push <laughs> Maybe, maybe the story will. Uh, anyway, but he uh, he he does a lot of this. Okay, yeah, I, think, I, I think I anyway, know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I love this guy. I but great anyway. for the audio medium. I mean, obviously, I doing you're not trying to let right but, give uh, them any guess. The point is, is that my friend was working on his range, and he actually expanded his range over the course of several years. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. But he lived in this studio apartment, and I remember uh, going there all the time, being like. Dude, his neighbors must hate, and he'd be like, "Yeah, dude, my neighbors complain constantly because he—he's the kind of person who's not self-conscious at all, mm -hmm. like not at all. No part of his life. I feel like he could walk butt naked down the street and just be chill about it. You know, he's just that guy. You know, he's talked to the universe or whatever, done a lot of psychedelic drugs, and decided that it doesn't matter. And uh, so, but he'll sing in at the top of his lungs. I mean, one time I took him to my grandmother's house, he was singing at the top of his lungs. But so, I always compare myself to that. Because I can't be that brave. Yeah. And it's like, part of it, is it just, if I just did it, would I be able to do that? But I don't know. You know. <laughs> Wish I could be brave enough to just scream and not care who heard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. Like, I think, I was looking, I, I remember there were, ad, I did get ads for this. There was like something, it's just like a mask where you can actually like, yeah. It, I've like, seen that before, that, yeah, where yeah. you can sing into yeah. it. Yeah. I thought, I was like... Should I should I get that? That's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. You won't be able to hear yourself first of all. Yeah. Secondly, what does that say about society or something? That yeah. Like at the point where it's like, I literally can't even be loud, so I need to buy a device so that I can express my need to be loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Ugh. You literally live like downtown in, in like one of the biggest cities in the world, okay? But you have to worry about how loud you are. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is already being loud. You might as well yeah. be loud. I, I feel like the guy with the studio, at least, like, the difference between ha being loud in a studio as opposed to being loud with roommates mm -hmm. uh, is at least, like, I feel like I'd be less worried about waking up these, like, strain not waking up, but being too loud for these strangers that I kind of pass occasionally as opposed to these people that I'm sharing a sink and bathroom with and see every single day. That's just the way I get nervous about things, I think. I and self-conscious. No, totally. I think that's the same thing I feel with my roommates, right? It's because it's like, those are the people you're around, you choose to be around, so yeah. you care about their opinion. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't want them to think that you suck. <laughs> 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 Which is why I don't have a band. Because no one can think I suck if I just don't do it. <laughs> I mean, I would work on your stuff for sure, man. Yeah, Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. And that's the thing is yeah. every time I tell people that, yeah. like, my friends like Goose or whatever, they'll yeah. be like, yeah, dude, I'll drop for you. No yeah. problem. And it's just like, it's it's in here. It's not you guys. You yeah. Know? No, I understand. I, I am. Like, yeah. That's why I fucking struggle with lyrics. It's the yeah. same thing. It's, yeah. Well, I'll write you some lyrics sometime. Yeah. I love writing lyrics. Yeah. I find that soothing and easy. It's easy to rhyme stuff. I used to freestyle a lot in college. Yeah. Not, not seriously. No? You're not going to do it for us right now on the podcast? <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. No. <laughs> God damn it. I don't know. Thought you I got one. Kick me a beat. <laughs> oh, 
that'll be great content for this podcast is just going down the tubes, oh, man, man. If I'm having a freestyle, I, mean, like, I can construct a beat, but it'll take like a couple minutes. That episode was great until he's just started trying to rap. <laughs> <laughs> we used to try and freestyle as an improv exercise all the time in college. Yeah. And I fucking hated it because I couldn't do it for shit. There were people in my improv team who could do it. Uh, and that was most of them. And then it came to me. Because, <laughs> like, the thing is, even if in improv you can at least... There are people who are good at being bad at it. And I feel like I wasn't good at it or good at being bad at it. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking and about. And it was yeah. just... Yeah. Because good at being bad at it, you get a laugh. And you're kind of like a nice break from... <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, isn't that cute? Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you did something. Well, you, you were did entertaining. <laughs> You really, that's like sometimes after the jam, I'll go up to somebody and be like, you really drummed. <laughs> really drummed on that one. That's a great way to great music. compliment. Yeah. You have, you just have a compliment ready for every yeah. single person, uh-huh. even if it isn't, is more of a fact than a compliment. <laughs> you really guitared. Most, most of my compliments I think are bordering on roasts. I think it's like, <laughs> if, if I really like you, I probably never compliment. I okay. probably am only telling you, yo, you look like a dude. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is true, yeah. Like, thinking back to everything that you said. I think that comes from the, like, and we didn't, I don't think we talked about it, but uh, I've hosted open mics for, like, years and years. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it's just needing to fill time in between people. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he was like, it's like, Thrifty, you have a, you have a stand-up set somewhere in here. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. I, I'm, like, a stand-up comedian that never does stand-up comedy. Yeah. Like, 100%. Yeah. You know, I have bits that I like to tell people. I like to do that thing, but it won't catch me at a comedy open mic. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely see you have a... Yeah. You've got the MC chops. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, oh, man, a good one. <laughs> me and my roommates were talking about it yesterday was how everybody in, in Texas has truck nuts on their car. To prove out how manly they are, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna come up with a joke for that on Wednesday. So you get ready, truck nuts. It's funny in and of itself. I don't know yeah. if you've ever been down to Texas, man. But I, I know what truck nuts are, yeah. and they're already pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just funny that when you move to Texas, I feel like they just give you a stock Ford F-150 and a pair of truck nuts, and they say, you know, welcome to the Republic. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a whole different universe, man. I should yeah. move to Texas just for that free truck, you know. I mean, like even if I gotta get those free truck nuts on on it, you know, yeah, it's worth it. <laughs> I'd put nuts on my truck. No, that's a platform. <laughs> I'm gonna vote for president for whoever has got that on their platform. Free trucks free with tru- nuts. Yeah, <laughs> trucks with nuts. Like at this point, I think that's that's basically where it's gonna go. Yeah, it's 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 almost. Uh, fantasy or parody which is why i like lately i'm paying more attention to like game of thrones or something like that because <laughs> you know that's if i'm gonna pay attention to crazy political situations that that one's more fun because it has dragons yeah <laughs> you know that's the one worth paying attention to I yeah think. yeah, I, yeah. I, it's a it's more worth your time mm-hmm. no one wants to pay attention to the other thing that's going on we'll just call it the other thing yeah, yeah. but but look man you know 17 million people didn't tune into CNN last week. They tuned into 
Game of, of Thrones. I was about to. I didn't know if I can swear on here or not. Sorry. Yeah, you can, you can swear. Throw. I was like, but the game yeah. of motherfucking Thrones. Yeah, we go. You guys watching it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I um, yeah. I actually missed the. Well, I didn't miss. So I caught up on Monday, but I I didn't watch it as it came out on Sunday because uh, I had to do some stuff. But yeah, so I yeah, so I'm caught up now. And I, it was funny. It was like, wait, if I didn't watch it yesterday, I would be like, it's such shit right now. <laughs> yeah. It was a great episode, though. I watched yeah. it twice. Uh, for reference, oh, yeah. this, is, this is episode two of season eight that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. by the time this episode comes out... Uh, three will have been out. Three yeah. will have been out. Half the characters that... Probably would probably, die. Probably die. die. yeah. Yeah. That's right? what I think the ultimate twist will be the series ends next episode. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. No one's dude, doing like, that theory. Because I'm thinking about it. I'm like, dude, they're pacing it so fast. You're going to have the panel on episode three. Like, what the fuck? So there's going to be four episodes after. Is the battle in episode three? Maybe the not. Bat- Maybe not. Oh, that's fair. I mean... Because they were like, I don't know, are we allowed to do spoilers on this podcast? Yeah, let's I mean, just... You know, I think if you're watching Game of Thrones at this point, you're watching within a day or two and avoiding anything that has spoilers if you're not. Yeah, yeah this will uh, come out within a week and also, like, we'll, we'll put it... We'll put out... I guess it isn't really a, 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 big, yeah. a big spoiler or anything, but it's just... They said... You know how long do we have? We have till the sun comes up. Yeah. yeah. And then every preview I see on that next episode, they're still it's still dark. It's still dark. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> so what? I gotta watch a whole another episode at night? Like, come on, dude. Yeah. It was <laughs> it was a weird episode. I felt uncomfortable with the Arya Arya scene. I don't know why. Like, it, I still felt because, like she's a kid or something. Yeah, I think we've been like conditioned to see her in a yeah. non-sexual light. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just because we're used to seeing her as a kid. Now, obviously, well, then she's a, badass a woman. Too, yeah. Yeah. So, we, she's just not sexualized anymore. At all. She was never sexualized. Yeah. So it felt it felt weird, I guess, to have her be sexualized as a character. Yeah. And, yeah, and I guess it makes sense. But man, I don't need to hear the cliche line about it's our last night in this world. Yeah, everybody's having sex the night before. We get <laughs> yeah, it. like except those guys around the fire. Apparently. Yeah, Tormund's never gonna have sex with Brienne. No, it's no, never gonna happen. Never gonna or Jamie and Brienne. Which I don't even buy as a ship or whatever, but I hear people talk about that all the time online. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But I think it's, that's, maybe we're just being conditioned to, like, sexualize A, like, any woman, but also the fact that Jamie is a sexual character in the show and that's so heavy. But, like, Brienne is not at all. And she's, in that episode, becomes, like, the equal, right? She becomes a knight. But that doesn't, like, preclude that character from being... A character, like, even though we never see her in a sexual light, that doesn't, like, preclude her from being a sexual Oh, I didn't, I didn't say that. I guess more it's like, okay, is the person who lives 24-7, 365 in, the, in Westeros, Brienne, sexual? Yeah, definitely, probably. And Not, not but, the side that the, the char- show or the, right, character the character that we know. <laughs> is like, the characters the whole time, in my opinion, has been about trying to overthrow that idea that she needs to be a lady yeah, and that she's yeah. a royal and she just is like nah dude I fucking fight I kick ass I take names I earn respect yep. and, and like that's her whole thing and so I think when she and Jamie eye each other yeah maybe there is a sexual undertone but it's super far down there yeah. it's way yeah, more like sure, yeah. literally we almost died together like a hundred fucking times kind they're of. uh they got this like band of brothers thing going on exactly they've, they've exactly. been through the shit together they have love for each other yeah yeah. Um, yeah, and she's a knight now, and that's yeah. fucking badass. That's, that's Based cool. off of your thing, though, but about it like being dark and all the trailers and stuff that we've seen, 
I think they only showed us the first three or so minutes. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> is what I'm honestly hoping for. You know, like, the surprise would be they could... Everything is Cersei and King's Landing for the next episode. That would be the surprise. Yeah. Somebody else said that to me, too. They're like, that's the only way they could, like, get around having to do the battle. But I could have sworn I read the battle was in the fourth episode. Oh, really? Somewhere. Oh. But who knows, man? I, I read places where it said the third one, but it may have been just after this episode. My the, um, I, there's the, there's the, like, the 20-minute or so segment of the game revealed after that. Mm-hmm. I think um, they did say that... So the director... I don't know how much this says, but the director is the same for one, two, and four, and the third one has a different director. And I think Miguel, I forget his last name. Oh, that's the battle guy. Yeah, so. uh, I know he's the guy who did the battle at Bastards. Right, so yeah, that's why um, I think it's in the fourth episode. Maybe. So that's huh? But he's three. but he's doing a third he's episode. Doing a third, yeah, and that's how you know it's the battle episode yeah. because I think he also did Hard Home too. He might have. Yeah, because uh, I know years. the guy you're talking about. Yeah. I also don't fully remember his name, but I know there's M's in it, yeah. and it's hard to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> See, this like, is where we need like a, a pull it up guy. Yeah, pull that shit up. You know, like oh yeah. Like, you know, I just do realize that I have it, make, it doesn't. I you know, I just got yeah. a Twitter follower. That's yeah. what I just learned. I'll just I'll, I'll do it so you can. I don't even. I don't even point. Twitter man. I don't. I don't really either. I did t- tweet a tweet today, but it was a dumb. All my tweets are dumb. But I feel like that's way more in like, the comedy, improv, acting, writing world. Twitter's way more of a thing than like. Musicians, we all have to use Facebook pretty much because it's the only platform to invite people to shit. Yeah. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you see that a lot in the comedy world still, where yeah, there yeah, are yeah. people inviting people to invite Well, you guys shows. use both. I'm, I'm yeah. just saying, like, that Twitter is an outlet that we almost don't even require. Well, yeah, because it's it's become, like, almost sort of a, a joke-writing... I don't know. It's, it's a, like practice in a weird way. It's like a quippy, short form, like response. It's like, yeah, like a lot of it's kind of snarky. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And by the way, You're it's trying. Miguel Sapochnik. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's 100% the yeah. battle guy. Well, Mr. Sapochnik, I hope, I hope that you give us a great battle because <laughs> I really need to know what the hell. I've been waiting years and years and years. Don't fuck it up. So many years. Do you guys have any predictions? About what? I don't know. Show? Who's going to die next episode? I, I'm just going to say, I, I can't, like, I just can't. You know, they burned us so much that it's like, I read on Reddit somewhere, someone saying, you know, nobody said this, but the Night King could just win, guys. And I was like, oh shit, you're right. Yep. Could. Like, could. literally anything's up for grabs. Tyrion could be the king. Or or the ultimate twist, nobody dies. That would be, because everybody think, won. I think a lot of people gotta die. Yeah. I think I'd be kind of angry if nobody I would be. Like, that, that, like I'm gonna be angry when they die, but if they don't die, I feel like this, this it's whole a show's been set up It's a long-term dissatisfaction versus like, oh, my character died. No. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I think somebody like Jamie Lannister, for instance... I think there's almost 100% chance he's going to die. I think he's, he's going to die, but he, like, he, his arc is set up that he has to die by the time the series ends. Yeah. But I think he survives next episode. Yeah. Because I think he has to kill Cersei. Right. First. But I think his whole arc is that he's like trying to achieve redemption. Yeah. Right? And so the only way for him to really tr- achieve that, I think, is to die. Oh, no. hundred. Uh, I'm 100% on board. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jamie's like straight up, I think, my favorite character. And I think his arc is actually maybe the most central... Like in a weird, I know, I know he might not seem like the main character, but I feel like his arc kind of goes with the series the most. Does that make? But that's I, the thing: the show could be he could be the main character, and we just didn't know the whole time. That's true. That's a good point. Like, that's a good point. 
But, uh, yeah, but he is one of the characters that is the most connected through line to because he's always riding his horse off and dealing with Rob Stark, riding his horse back and dealing with his sister, riding his horse yeah. off and being with Brienne, or riding his horse off and being in Winterfell. Yeah, yep. he's like everywhere, all the time. He's probably yeah, he's probably been the most places. Uh, I'm I'm rereading the books right now because I'm just so fucking hyped, and I read the books first, uh, and that's and I haven't I'm realizing I haven't reread them since I first started watching the show. Like before the third season, that's when I finally jumped into all of this. Uh, so I'm rereading them now, and I'm just remembering that there are all these characters who you kind of who seem a little bit more main in the TV show, like Rob Stark, for instance, yeah. who just he's kind of just a side character in the in the books because he never had you never see him from his own point of view. You only ever see him through the eyes of Bran or Catelyn. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of characters like you don't see Jamie in that way until the third book, right? Well, that's like almost like a like a bait and switch move too, because Rob Stark felt like a main character. Yeah, but yeah. then like if you look at it from bird's eye view on eighth season, he was like whatever, you know, he was yeah. around. You, yeah. You've pretty much forgotten him by this yeah. point because he 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 hasn't even been there for half the show. At this yeah, point. See, yeah. Really same for like I mean, first season with. With uh, Sean Bean. Yeah. Ned, yeah. I was just thinking that the other day, man. I was like, ah, oh, man, I wish Ned was here. And then I was like, he's not real. <laughs> no. <laughs> but but uh, the entire time I've been seeing these, like, Winterfell reunions of all yeah. the Starks, I keep thinking, oh, man, wouldn't it be cool if the rest of them were here? And then I have to remember that they're that, dead. That they're, 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 all, they're all pretty dead. much all really slaughtered. Yeah. I mean, but everybody that's left is like, Ultimate Warrior, basically. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's the Avengers of the series <laughs> yeah, yeah. as who's left, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, at this point, Arya is like one of like the greatest fighters they probably had. Even though for whatever reason, it's not being told to everybody. Yeah, because like, yeah. I feel like in that situation, right before that great battle, you would want to illustrate that hey, this girl can throw three daggers into the same point. Yeah, and maybe she needs to be like in charge of a group of people or something. Yeah, yeah. but granted, like assassination is very different from like fighting as a soldier. So like the leadership aspect is not part of that, you know. I don't think she's a team player. I think she's going to go off and do her own thing on her own. And people are like, other people are going to watch her. Like, I think the hound and Jon Snow are going to see her and they're going to be like, what the fuck? (laughs) What did you become? I'm thinking of this in like a weird video game sense. And I think she's leveled up the most throughout. They've all leveled up as it were through the series. She's Um, most improved. Oh yeah, she was the one that was a Magikarp uh, to put this in a Pokemon. Yeah, 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 now she's a Gyarados. (laughs) It's like that scene. Do you remember Attack of the Clones when we were kids? And uh, you know, Yoda hobbles in. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And then he's just doing flips and yeah, he's just just like that's that's what I was picturing. You're like she's gonna be out there fighting. She's gonna be spinning through the air and doing Yoda stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, there was some random thing. I was like, this is a theory, which is that she'll take the face of a White Walker and then sneak up on the Night King and do that. All possible. All possible. <laughs> Literally all possible. Yeah. It's amazing to me that it's still all possible. It's yeah, it's so wide open. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys been hearing these uh these uh there there are theories that the dead are gonna come alive in the crypt and so the people who are in the crypt are gonna be attacked? Oh, I don't fuck. I don't agree with this theory because <laughs> All those bodies are pretty much disintegrated. Yeah. And I think there's also magical wards down there. But I've been yeah. hearing a lot of that. 
That's that'd be funny backdoor way of putting in putting in Sean Bean all those actors. Yeah. Well, also like Catelyn Stark. Yeah, comes back to life in the books, right? She yeah. does. I haven't read the books. This is just what I read from the wikis. On yeah, the Lady Stoneheart. She's she's uh, she's a her like throat is cut, so she can't talk. But she was brought back to life the same way like Jon Snow was. Um, but she was also in a river for a while, so her body's all fucked up, and she just she's killing phrase before Arya ever gets to kill any phrase. Um, but another theory I heard is that the Crips have, like, a secret backline to a harbor, like a, this place called the White Harbor, which is where House Manderly is, which is one of another northern house that is more explored in the books than it is yeah. in the TV show. Um, uh, but, like, in the books, they're the ones who give Walder Frey the, the pies full of his children. Oh. Um, yeah. By the way, it's a huge Titus Andronicus reference there. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I feel know? like that's that's just a reference in fiction. Like, I feel like that's in Greek tragedies there's been. Because oh, the story of Medea is the story of... Um, like Tyler Perry. Yeah, Medea. yeah. The story of Tyler Perry's Medea <laughs> is the story of... Um, Medea, I think, feeding her children to Hercules. Oh, I think she's, well, I think, she's I think feeding that's, children well, to somebody. Well, I think that's part of Titus Andronicus, so that's where I had reference it from. Okay. But that's probably it was probably from the Greeks. Then Shakespeare wrote about it. I mean, that was a lot of the things he wrote was yeah written yeah. by like Sophocles and Euripides yeah. first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, well, Game of Thrones cast turning into Greek. Drama cast. Right. If I can, if I can bring it back to, to to the crypt, I think it'd be a huge plot error for them to to raise the dead in the crypt because all the all the fucking John's been talking about is burning fucking dead bodies, and yeah. if he didn't burn those dead bodies, and there's bodies down there, that is a huge fuck up on his part. Yeah. It wouldn't make any sense to me. I, I mean, also just in general, the burning thing is like a tradition in some of the mm-hmm. northern in like the amongst the free folks because it. Right. stops anybody from becoming a white but I also think that the way they're buried in the Starks crypts is probably also mired in tradition that like stops them from coming back I mean I I hope so like I said it'd be because dude if he knows that all the dead bodies come back to life and literally like Ned Stark's body is down it's not down there because then they like cut his body up and put it all over the place but you know whoever's body's down there but the Anna Stark's gonna come back and get the fuck out of here yeah, yeah. She's going to have a nice reunion with her son. Honestly, we only got four episodes. We don't have time for that. Yeah, we don't have time for that shit. We don't have time to bring back characters I've never met or I didn't care about a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah. The best part about this whole segment right now is that people are going to be listening to this after it's all happened. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to be laughing at us about how wrong we are or how right we are. Do you know what? We're right. We're right. That one thing that we said that was true. It happened, and you're right. We're right. We're prophets. (laughs) I I just hope to God that, like, we get, and I think this is what's going to happen, is that once the Night King goes for Bran, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get some backstory, finally. Yeah. We're going to get some type of explanation. Explanation of something. You know, because... We don't want Snoke, basically. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, just I mean, look. They're or, probably going to get into Snoke and Rise of Skywalker. Okay, yeah. is all I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, does anybody even care? Not to like get off Game of Thrones, but does anybody even care about Star Wars anymore, man? Like, uh, we're all going to see it because we grew up with it, and you know, yeah. it holds that special place in our heart. That literally, if they put ten more out, we'll still keep going to see them. Yeah, 
but they're not invested. Yeah, I don't dislike the new ones, and I I'm like a defender of the Last Jedi or whatever. But I'd also that's the fourth movie's name. The fourth movie, yeah, Defender of the Last Jedi. <laughs> defender <laughs> of the Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I got ahead of myself there, man. Uh, uh, I don't know, not Defender, but like, I don't, I don't think it was bad. I don't think yeah. it was as bad as I think Force Awakens is worse uh for sure but i also just realized that i I just don't like i don't think i even cared about i mean i didn't care about the prequels that much i don't think any of these will hold i haven't rewatched the last jedi since it came out which is maybe why i still think it's okay uh i I, like like i said i just i don't feel as invested like i didn't think it was bad like my investment for for the movies has gone like very high for the original trilogy to like medium to low for prequels and then like almost nothing to like this. I, I enjoy it. They're good entertainment, but I, yeah, I just don't get so... I feel like I've passed the Star Wars point in my life. Does that make sense? I feel like... I, I don't know. I've never been a big Star Wars guy. I just think they did a shitty job. I think that's really what it was. Because, you know, look at the... like. It's kind of like a Lord of the Rings versus Hobbit scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings is like going to go down as one of the greatest film projects ever. Mm-hmm. And Hobbit was like a, a shitty footnote, you yeah. know? Yeah. And made by all the same people with all the same thing, but it was a cash grab. And it's the same thing, like, yeah. with these, I think, is they're just, they're not trying to be creative with it. Because Rogue One was a really good movie. It was. Yeah, because it was creative. Yeah. It was shot differently. They didn't focus on the same types of people. They tried to tell a new story. Yeah. And yeah. that's why it was good. Now they're just, like, continuing to rehash the Skywalker family. I, I just want the patients to watch 10 movies yeah. about it. They're just trying to keep it in the zeitgeist so we continue spending money on it. Yeah. But I'll spend um, money on it even more if you just write it a better story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we get more Rogue Ones, that would be great. I still haven't seen Solo. I don't know about so you. Solo was good. I watched it. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And again, I liked it from the standpoint of it was just a new story. It was finally something new. I feel like I could write... I, I don't even know what the next movie is about, but I feel like I could tell you what it's about. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that's a problem for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm intrigued by this... Like, they're doing that TV show, The Mandalorian. Okay. Yeah, which is going to be... The, huh? Plural. It's called The Mandalorians? I think it's plural, because there are people. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just one dude. I thought it was... Pedro Pascal. I could be wrong. Being... I could be absolutely Like wrong. a space pirate. Not space pirate. Just... Oberyn and Boba Fett. Oberyn's mm. gonna be a space pirate. Oberyn. Oberyn Martell. It's gonna be. Well, no, he's not gonna be a space pirate. He's just gonna be a bounty hunter. And then he's gonna uh, he's gonna fly into a mountain and die. Yeah. Somebody's gonna. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that mountain is gonna crush his head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, I watched that. My girlfriend hasn't seen like all of Game of Thrones. Except yeah. for the seventh season, so she went back and was watching. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. It's a it's an interesting <laughs> place to start. Oh, it is the Mandalorian. She's a strong, independent woman. I don't have anything to say about her Game of Thrones watching habits, but we're watching, <laughs> yeah, we're watching the rewatching the seasons, and I love the season, so I'll rewatch them. And we watched the Oberyn one recently, and yeah. I was just oh, it's so brutal, dude, because he almost had it. Yeah, the whole plot line would be totally different because Tyrion wouldn't have to run away, Tywin wouldn't be dead now, yeah. Sansa would have still been there. Whole immense amount of shit, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. He fucked up a lot of things. He said got popped like a damn gourd, dude. Like, <laughs> it was... <laughs> you know it's coming, and you're just like... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's very memorable. Very, very memorable. I wonder if that's even possible. I wonder if somebody needs to look into that. It's like a really big guy could just squeeze somebody's head till it popped. 
Oh, I, I'm pretty sure that's possible. Yeah. I, I'm going to guess that's possible. Also, You're that right. actor who plays yeah. the mountain is, like, the one of the world's strongest men or whatever. Something Bjornsson? Yeah, 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 he, yeah, like, before, lifted... Yeah. There's Bjornsson. some tree in whatever country he's from. Iceland. Iceland. Yeah. And it's, like, a thing where people, for centuries, like, there's have stone. been moving this tree or there's something. There's a stone as well, yeah. There's a stone? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and and it's just sort of like it's only the strongest can move the tree, and like some, nobody has been able to move this thing in like a century or something. I'm probably exaggerating it, but then he was able to do it. Yeah, I mean, I I I really love watching strong men on TV. <laughs> and, well, there's uh, not enough strong male characters out there. <laughs> well, I meant like strong men is in the activity, <laughs> the competition. Yeah, no, no, I I I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> right, dude, when are we going to have more male representation on the TV, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, but anyway, so I'm watching The World's Strongest Man, which I don't even really understand what the pattern is. Sometimes it just is all that's on ESPN for whatever reason. But yeah. the, he was in there, and they had this thing called the Gold Bullion Toss, and he had to grab these giant bricks, right? Like, I don't know how big they were, but they looked like they weighed a lot. And the whole goal is you throw them behind your head up and over like this 20-foot-up high yeah, hurdle. Yeah. And you watch a couple guys do it before him, and like, the best guy got like two or three over, right? This motherfucker is tossing these things. They're clearing this thing by five feet. Like he's just like it's a joke. He throws seven over it, then he looks at the crowd and starts going, <gasps> and then throws beats yeah. his chest, throws three more over. It was a joke for him. And the other competitors aren't aren't even weak. They're also like the top oh, guys too. That's what makes it. But they're all on a ton of steroids, yeah. right, man? Yeah, like, yeah they're all strong, you know. Yeah. But he is just he's he's he could squeeze a skull. Like, they had that phrase, he's an uncommon man amongst uncommon men. Yeah. 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 That's what he is. Sure. It's, it's, I can never be in something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just nuts, the yeah, level of strength that is. Yeah. Well, also, like, the discipline and, like, how do you say, like, oh, the thing I'm going to work, working hard at guitar is one thing, right? Working hard at comedy is another thing. But being like, I'm just going to be really good at lifting things. I don't get it. I mean, you work out a lot. Right? I work out so a lot. You do yeah, get it. Yeah. I watch your yeah. Instagram sometimes, and you're like, you're all about lifting things. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's just a uh, well. It's um, it that along with guitar, like the those are the things that uh made the impression on me that working hard pays off. I mean, that's the value. That's the that's the non physical value of working out. Sure, is just the just reinforcing of the belief that working hard pays off because it's pretty tangible. All you have to do is write it down, and then you can and uh, and like the next time you do more, you know, that's that's all it is. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with that about guitar too. It's like every year I feel like, whoa, so much better this year. Yeah, and then like the last year I thought it was good. Now I think I was not good at all last year. <laughs> it's one of those weird things, man. Yeah. But you, yeah, it's just something you just advance on, you practice, and you get it, you know. It's pretty, it's like a straight straight line. Or I think most things are like that, though. Yeah. It's just, it's, most people are lazy or unmotivated or whatever. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's less visible or less consistent or harder to be consistent. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you're consistent, you can see the results. Yeah. And if you're yeah. inconsistent, yeah. it's harder to see. It's like people, results. yeah, just people don't learn that, you know. There's like, this, yeah, that's kind of the value of just athletics for me is like, so I, I, there's just, there's things that I that I've experienced that most people haven't. One of which is like, for example, I I, t- I tell this to other people is just that like people a lot of people have never done a full true all out all sprint. I don't think I for for 100 meters I have, but I don't think I've done it for like a I I don't I haven't done it for like a middle distance, but like even mm-hmm. for like a short distance, I don't think a lot of people know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. So 
like when you when when the coach is telling people to go harder, it's because they know they haven't pushed that threshold. Yeah, and you can just you can see by their body language or whatever that they haven't got to that point. Did either of you guys? I did track in high school, and I feel like that was just the most where I've ever like felt that where it's just yeah. oh, you can very clearly in black and white see your improvement. Yeah, that's did exactly either of you ever do track at all or anything? Yeah, I, I swam. I played yeah. a lot of sports. Swimming was my main thing. I did some track, uh, but I was mostly like I did football in high school. And then um, I did some track in college. I wasn't that good, but I I, I would say like I, I mostly improved through skill. Yeah. I did I did some of the throws. I wasn't very good. I'll say that. I I, I tried throwing my senior year, and I was so bad at it. Throwing is hard. Man. It, it's yeah. It's hard. It, I was coming from like a. I was more of a distance runner. Yeah, like that's that's distance. like that's like the, the two opposite. opposite. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I mean, I'm I'm like I came from being a strength athlete. It's still hard. Um, the one that I was the best at was probably hammer. It's also um, a lot of fun. We didn't even have that option. In high, we just had shot put and discus. Yeah. We didn't even have track. Well, yeah. I went to arts high school, man. Oh, we had, football, oh. we had a football team that was full of a bunch of painters. So we lost a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so in high school, so I went to, so That's junior, weird. so actually freshman, sophomore year, I played football, but then I went to a math and science high school, which also had nothing. Yeah, and then I went to college, but then I went to Caltech, which doesn't have a football team. Actually, yeah. the the joke is we uh, undefeated since nineteen ninety three. Yeah, which is when they stopped having it. <laughs> well, I went to like U of I, right? And, yeah, which everybody there is an academic, basically. So the sports all suck. Yeah, so it's, it's like the same thing. I think I got like a lot of discipline though from doing that as a Boy Scout, Eagle Scout. Oh, yeah, like my dad's a former Marine, and so I just remember like I literally remember like climbing mountains at ten years old, and my dad being like. I'd be like, I can't go. And he'd be like, mind over matter. I don't mind. And it don't matter. He was like yelling at a 10 year old. <laughs> and it's like, but I think that those things, you know, so many experiences of like backcountry hiking, you know, for yeah. hundreds of miles without, with all your things. Like, I think that taught me a lot about how the limit I can push myself. Yeah. Because when you're hiking and you have to go 12 to 15 miles up a mountain and down a mountain with like 50 pounds on your back and, and you're a kid. Yeah. It's like, you want to give up on mile two. Yeah. You yeah. want to give up on yeah. mile one, dude. Like, but then with, over the course of like a week of doing it by the last day, you're like, yeah, I can do 10 miles yeah. yeah. So I think that people just don't want to push themselves sometimes, yeah. but I'm one of those people. I mean, we all default to lazy. It's, it's, yeah. it's through these experiences where people have made us push that mm-hmm. where we've been pushed, you know, yeah. there's, um, there's a story about like, um, uh, Naval special warfare training and it's the, they're, they're, I, I, it's, I don't remember exactly which one, so don't quote me on like which specific program it is. But, there's, just, a story, but there's a story that um, if you give up, then you're cut. But yeah. if your body fails, like if you just pass out, what they do is they just revive you and you just keep going. Oh, it's probably the Navy SEALs or yeah, something. Yeah. That so, sounds like a SEALs thing. So, like, and so the, the guy was writing this article and telling the story said, you know, every, every, every dude had the same thought, which is you know, if I just keep pushing myself, you know, the worst thing that's going to happen is I pass out. I take a nap basically. Yeah. And they, I just get revived and I keep going. But the thing is, is like what they found was that like almost nobody gets those because you just keep pushing beyond what you think you can do. Yeah. You just mm-hmm. keep going. I saw one of those shows where they're training like on the discovery channel for yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And this guy kind of like just collapses in the mud and they pick him up and his eyes, man, he's got a million miles stare. And they're like, are you okay? Can you keep going? And he just goes, 
hash browns <laughs> really loudly, dude. And I was like, oh shit, he's not okay. <laughs> That just makes it sound like he's having a stroke. Yeah, he looked like he was having a stroke, man. Like, hope he got his hash brown. I mean, I don't think they gave him any hash browns. Hopefully, they gave him an IV. But, but I mean, those things are crazy. I read somewhere too about the the Russian special forces. Oh yeah, that's this. Supposedly, they like. I guess the rumors are they have to like fight to the death sometimes. But one thing that I'm pretty sure is known is they heat up cinder blocks. They stick them on your belly, and someone else breaks them. And it's just literally like, because the goal is to, uh, you should enjoy pain. It's not even to deal with it. Yeah. It's a, you should enjoy it. So. So they're just doing that on their, their off hours. That That's when they're doing that because they enjoy it. That's what they do for entertainment. <laughs> and we're on a podcast. You know, it's equal amounts of effort going in. Yeah. You know? yeah. This is my special forces training. <laughs> <laughs> we might as well be putting a burning Burning cinder block on you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been on some podcasts that felt like that, you know? <laughs> or had guests on mine when I had my, my roommate, Julian. I had him on several times. This isn't a secret or anything. Yeah. Like, he knows. He's the worst guest ever. Like, no, I can see, see exactly why, because I know Julian is. And he'll be like, he'll be like, nah, I, I'm good this time. I got it. And then, you know, he'll turn the camera on and he'll be like, uh. <laughs> I mean, mine was video too, which so maybe that was more. Yeah. That's a whole nother. If if this was a video podcast, I I don't think I'd be able to do it, dude. Bro. I don't think so. That's a whole nother level. Because then I feel like I I can I can I can get by just with my voice. But if I have to worry about people looking at me, I'd be so self conscious. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's something you would get used to, but. It would, it probably would be, yeah. but I kind of like being able to just like roll out of my office and just be like, "All right, yeah, yeah, no, I'm gonna do this." Uh, I feel like I look like shit, but I, I'm not saying I feel like I look like shit today, but you know, some days. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one thing though that people, why people are like gravitating to podcasting so heavily, in like in the video format of it, especially is like it's just authentic. Yeah. So I don't think people really care even what people look like in it. Yeah, that's it's like. True. It's like, wow, I get to hear somebody's unfiltered view on something yeah. for an extended period in like a world that's all sound bites. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, I mean, I think there's some pretty, the, the point being is I think if you ever want to do video, man, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. You know, You're good. That's yeah. true. That I didn't mean to come off as so anti-video. I don't, Yeah. I do feel like whenever I listen to a podcast that I, I, I know the hosts a little too well. Yeah. Uh, that's part of why I like listening to them. But none of you fuckers, I'm talking to the audience now, <laughs> none of you know me. This is a character. Huh. This has all been a character. So, yeah, he was British when I came in. Yeah, so. Shh, don't tell <laughs> He's always been. <laughs> he always has been, man. <laughs> so, we have a segment here that we like okay. to call, ooh, did you see that? Did you see that little totally abrupt abrupt <laughs> that's uh, a good word abrupt we, we like to ask a question we like to call the Steve Israel Memorial question Steve Israel yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a friend name. of mine okay. he's alive okay cool uh, <laughs> I'm still not 100% sure if he knows we do this segment I'm get better soon Steve get better soon <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the craziest thing you're willing to admit you believe in oh god this is hard okay so like 
just to preface this, Ego did did warn me about this question coming into this, yep. and I've thought about it a little bit. I think my main problem is, is that I believe a lot of crazy things, and I admit all of them. And so, <laughs> it's choosing one. And so, I think that... You can choose, like, I'm, two or three if you want. Yeah, we can, at we least can talk about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for just sure. Well, I think, I think... Well, they all kind of tie together, anyway, because I'm crazy. But, uh... The one thing I talk about a lot with all my friends is that I actually believe I have a good possibility of being mortal. <laughs> I've never heard that from one of our guests. <laughs> this this is this is breaking new ground. And I firmly believe this. Hundred percent. Like this isn't a joke. Can I ask where this comes from? Um, I I I'm just I grew up like very scientifically minded from like like I said earlier a family full of people where the scientific method controlled everything in my life basically. yeah and and so the way that I look at how science is progressing right this isn't like I think mystically I'm immortal you oh, think okay okay no that's what so you say okay, that, so you guys know do you think yeah. we've all that in your lifetime immortality will have been solved Clinical yes immortality okay yes okay I that's not Okay. okay. That's, that's stupid. I was about to ask if I could stab you. Most. I was like, wait. <laughs> no, okay, well, have you ever heard of uh, Xenu? No, um. <laughs> well, I know Xenu. Sorry, Tom. Well, uh, that was Tom Cruise. Apology. Uh, anyway. Well, I am a Scientologist, so. Oh, well. Okay. No, I'm, I'm not. Well, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll praise him or whatever. Xenu. <laughs> but uh, as far as immortality goes, like, technologically, I'm of the mind that. It's an in, it's an inevitability to solve um, death, uh, most forms of death. That I think, yeah, you know, clinical, clinical death. death. Yeah. And I think that, for instance, like we talked about earlier. Wow, what a segue! Uh, a person when we were kids who was sixty, now a person who's sixty, kind of is more like a person who's forty when we were kids. You know, and so let's imagine a world where I make it sixty years old. That means forty more years of science has progressed. And so the chances that I can live to be, say, 100 are probably going to be very high. So I live to be 100. That's another 40 years. So you're talking about 80 years technological advancement. So maybe by the time I'm 100, it's totally reasonable to live to be 200 years old. So that's what I'm saying is that I think I, I happen to just live in the time in which that's going to increase exponentially. <clears throat> and, um, and I'm all for it. Like, I'm 100% ready to, to go because I want to travel through space and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm ready to live as long as I would need to do to do that. Now, I don't think that I worry that psychologically I won't be able to handle that. Yeah. Or that like even human beings capacity for dealing with that might not be big enough to live for a thousand years. Right. And if I like upload myself and I die and then I put the copy out, is that copy really me? Or is it just a copy of me? I don't know. There's a line. And so I've got a couple of things. There's a, lot, there's a lot of points there. So there's a line in uh, the Borderlands, the pre-sequel, which is like, oh, I'm going to, so it's part, that's part of the, it's a subplot. It's a very small subplot. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to make a digital copy of you and upload it. And the guy's like, well, that's the diet soda of immortality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I mean, it is. Yeah. It's I, also every episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only way I would really be cool with it, and I think this will also probably be possible, is that you'll run me in the cloud, you know? Right. And I'll never have an interruption of service. Uh, so I really hope for that. Oh, the other thing is actually, I've, I've talked about this with Zach, but the, you ever read the, um, the, it's a short story. It's called, it's spelled two B R zero two B. So to be or not to be, I uh, know it's about, uh, it's like, I think I forget who wrote it. Maybe it's like, it might, might've been Bradbury, but it's, uh, the, the premise is simply that 
you know, everybody at some point in the earth has become immortal, right? Mm-hmm. Cl- clinically immortal. So in, in order to control over population, um, if you if anybody in your family wants to have a kid, somebody in your family also has to die. So they have suicide booths, mm-hmm. essentially, where where that is inscribed to be or not to be. That's that's basically just like Futurama. I, mean, I think too that like which uh, probably took it from that story. Probably, probably. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. they took yeah. I think if everybody was immortal, though, most people wouldn't have kids. Because I think part of the reason people have kids is this ongoing feeling that they need to leave a mark. They need to literally write, David was here. Yeah. Like, like that's the only way you legacy, can do it. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and I think you already see that changing a little bit in, like, our generation as people yeah. are, like, moving on to their legacy being the things that they do rather than the people that they create. And that if you live for a thousand years, there will be really not a lot of incentive to have a child. Yeah. But, um, conversely, if I was going to tell you guys something I firmly believe in, uh, that I can't really explain scientifically or anything, is I'm pretty sure aliens are always around and definitely affected early human history. Okay. I think that there's a high likelihood of that, in my opinion. So, for example, like the pyramids, would that be part of it? Or is it something else? I don't know, the pyramids is an easy one everybody jumps to. Yeah, they're like, course. I can't figure out how they stacked these rocks. Must have been aliens. But I think that there's a lot of other similarities in the way that like technology was distributed across a, a world that shouldn't have been able to contact each other. Or the like the fact that certain symbols crop up in South America that also crop up in Mesopotamia and stuff like that. Or the way people's heads are shaped or the way that gods are designed. You know, there's it's interesting the similarities that are across the earth in those kind of things. Uh-huh. And the similarities of a lot of religions and their base myths, you know. Uh, do you think that the gods, as they were, were aliens? I think there's a possibility. Okay. I, I would say that it is above zero percent. Um, and I'd say that, it, why not? That. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd say above zero as well, yeah. I mean, granted, you have all these problems with the universe being massive and you can't travel very fast. You dot, dot, dot. But let's assume that they figured all that out yeah. because they're aliens. <laughs> and... They probably came here and they were trying to be benevolent, or maybe they didn't care at all. Maybe they were just fucking around, you know? <laughs> yeah. Could have been some guys on a pleasure cruise. But I do think that there's a lot of, like, iconography about, like, uh, fire-breathing birds, you know? Like, that's a weirdly pervasive and persistent uh, myth. So, so there's some alien around that's either they were a fire-breathing bird, or... I think it was like ships ship. were fire really. Yeah. Oh right, right, because they fly and they you know, cause destruction. The real dragons. The real dragons. The spaceships. Spaceships. Were you with those? I mean, well, it, I dragons. I think it's entirely I think it's entirely possible. Other or what? Like, because dude, if I if I came to you and was like, dude, I saw a fire breathing dragon. I'd be like, <laughs> fuck you. You didn't see a fire. Those don't exist. Mm. I'm in this world. I'm I see the things that are in the world all yeah. the time. They're not real, <laughs> you know, and. um I mean, if, even if I grew up really religious, right? And there's a part where I think it's Ezekiel, Ezekiel's in the Bible, and they come down. God comes down to him, but the way they explain, like in detail, God's vessel sounds a lot like a ship. It's like moving wheels, flames coming out of it, in very bright mm-hmm. light. Oh yeah, like maybe like a helicopter somehow, mm-hmm. or something that helicopter. we can't even imagine exactly yeah. how it would look like. Or, yeah, uh, I mean that's a lot of things that are divine or whatever or magical or 
just things that they straight. I mean, it's that it's that old saying about uh, magic is just science that you don't have the words to explain or whatever. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that a lot of conversely, like a lot of myth comes out because people see something that they can't explain, and then they're you just know? making explanations for it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so if I say, if I say somebody says I saw fire breathing dragon, I don't, I think that it's so pervasive of a, like a, an icon that they're not lying. You know, they probably, somebody probably saw something. Mm-hmm. Now, was it a bird? Was it a plane? Was it an alien? Was it a little green man? I, I don't really know. Also, there's like certain inconsistencies mm-hmm. with like how fast human beings developed mentally, things like that. You think so, uh, we were toyed with or whatever? I think it's possible. I think it's I think it's really possible, but I don't really know why the aliens would still be here. That's the other thing. Well, maybe it had to do with uh, communication or something, or maybe there was. And this is going to sound like I don't believe it's possible at all, but this is I don't know. It's it, there's an outside chance. Maybe yeah. there was some sort of intergalactic thing going on, and they had to go deal with it, or. Uh, I mean, that clearly, that's just me as a sci-fi fan, just putting something in. Uh, I mean, truly, I, I'm a huge sci-fi fan, and this one, I don't know if you've ever read the Culture series of books, but uh, their thing in it is, is that they have this giant intergalactic civilization, and they're in a constant, their AI minds are constantly studying whether intervention or non-intervention is a good idea mm-hmm. uh, on a long scale, and they choose us as a non-intervention point, as a like just as a, uh, what do you call it, a control? Yeah. And that depresses me. So much. Oh, man. The idea that we could have been selected as a control subject, and the reason we don't see anybody is because we're not allowed to. And the reason we don't interact with anybody is because we're not allowed to. Until we achieve, on our own, some sufficient level of sophistication. Yeah. I mean, that's like all of, like, Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, the Prime Directive and whatnot. Which, which, they, which way they got from the Vulcans, actually, I think I would say. Which just pisses yeah. me off, dude. I just want to, I want the Encyclopedia Galactica. I want to know what's going on. Want to know it, but maybe that's just me being being religious by not being religious too. Yeah. You know, have you um, have you seen? Have that. you watched any of the uh, Star Trek Enterprise? Like the the, the one, show? yeah, the show. No, it's, it's the one that covers like the it's the earliest in in their universe, which is like before before the original Star Trek happened, and it's like like the first couple episodes or some of some of the plot deals with the fact that right after first contact with Vulcans. That um that they didn't the Vulcans did not let us do anything <laughs> or did not share anything for like years and years and years and, and like humans just got pissed off. Yeah, it, that's definitely part of the plot. I mean, it would make it, yeah. that, would, that would make me. I mean, it's like I guess it's the same thing in the real in the real world, our our planet, where like we don't want to go to an uncontacted tribe and be like, here's twenty iPhones. Well, there was that whole thing recently where there was like a missionary who got killed trying to interact with this yeah. uh, untouched island of people, which is also dumb because you're going to spread disease that way. And you're yeah, gonna just, you're, yeah. Well, he was idiotic. Yeah. Dude, they literally had banned people from going there specifically because multiple people had been attacked yeah. trying to go there. Oh, this wasn't even this right. guy's like first time trying right. to go there. These yeah. people had made it clearly evident that they knew there was something else going on in the world and mm-hmm. they had no interest. Yeah. yeah. They were not trying to hang out. They were happy, and you know what? Honestly, they're probably right, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. They live on an island paradise. Nobody fucks with them. They pay no taxes. Like, they eat a couple coconuts. They make babies. Yep. That, to me, is the dream. Like, that's the thing is, like, I feel it's the biggest crime about, like, the modern era, right? Is I feel like the Native Americans, all those people, they kind of had it more 
yeah. more in line with just a comfortable life because it's like you never try to exceed your means. Yeah. And now everybody's about exceeding their means. Yeah. That's a hundred percent the like goal of America. Yeah. Is just exceeding your means, but that crushes people. And that's not even America, just the world in general. I don't know why I'm lumping America in there. I just well, think we're yeah. the ones who are well, most who are arguably one of the more guilty ones. Yeah, right? and, and for me that's like that's um so capitalism, the the religion of capitalism is that, right? Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm not anti-capitalist in the sense that, like, I think the mechanism of capitalism is useful, but the religion of capitalism is what causes everybody to try to exceed their means. And, like, you know, the whole greed is a good thing where, like, money becomes more important pursuit than anything else. Yeah. That's what, yeah, fucks it all up. You know? Yeah. It's all, I mean, and it brings it, like, uh, just tie a nice little bow on it, it brings it back to the whole question of should. You know, it's just one of those <laughs> mechanisms, like, where it's, like, your whole goal is to acquire and you're never supposed to question why you're supposed to acquire and if right. you should do something else that's maybe more enjoyable to you than an acquisition. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the more enjoyable thing is just sitting on an island uh, in your culture, not being interrupted, just making babies and just living. Yeah. And, maybe, uh, yeah. 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 Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that did tie a nice little bit on Yeah. Yeah, we should. Uh, yeah, we should wrap up. I think that's. I think yeah. <laughs> that was that was the Campbellian perfect story where we started where we began. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you have any plugs? Um, I have a couple plugs. I guess uh, go and check out my band Elk Walking. You can check us out basically anywhere that you find music. If you pay for Spotify, it's there. If you want it on Bandcamp and you don't want to pay, it's also there. We have a lot of great merch. I also, if you're in the Chicago area, host a great open mic on Wednesday nights at Moe's Tavern. Come show any of your things. And you can check out the other groups that I play with, uh, Thompson Springs, uh, Barry in the Fountains, and Party Watcher. Cool. Um, also, I do design work. Check me out, davidthrift.com. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was at 100 points. I'm trying to think why wow, I have it's plug right now. I, I, I'm, I'm plugless today. It's okay. Catch Eco at the Sunday Night Jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm also completely plugless. Uh, just at First Place Burger. Uh, high five me if you see me walking around. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So from Eco, Zach, and David, we're signing off. Bye. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>